It's just about that time of the day again. Today, however, we are talking to Michael Hayes, aka Stoven Garden. What a pleasure. Um, just just enjoy this free spirit and we talk about a whole bunch of things, but just getting to know somebody uh, and how they do things is just so creme de la creme. Again, everybody else, cool. Stoven Garden. Um, well, how about let's talk about the uh, which apron you use most? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let, you know we what? Let's hop that. right in. So I, I just want to be transparent, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So obviously, I am a creator. You're a creator. So we kind of have a hookup with Headley and Bennett. You know, and, and mm. like, listen, the aprons are really good. I'm not gonna lie. But I find myself using the Casein apron. And uh, yes. Casey and I were just talking about this off the podcast. And it's like, the thing is, is like as a chef, you know, I wear my H&B aprons, but only because I'm not going to lie. I got them for free or work paid for them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're quite expensive. They're quite expensive, but they look Pricing. really good. The, the quality is really good. There's two things that I don't like about them. And um, one of them, one of them is that they're short. They come down to like above my knees, like a mini skirt. And I'm just so mm-hmm. used to the long classic apron like the french style right yeah. i shouldn't say french mm-hmm. style but like the brigard style the brigard and style, yeah. also the straps i like i don't tie my straps behind me i try and tie them in front of me and the thing is is i'm not you know i'm not fat but i got a little little pudge of a belly and sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to tie the strings in front of me and so the thing is is i remember um when we working for wolfgang puck we 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 pretty much signed a deal with headley and bennett that we would outfit all of the sous chefs and the chefs with um, oh wow with headley and bennett yeah and so like you know That's i got cool. a deal i got a deal on the aprons and i'm not going to talk about the price but like it, then it was worth it mm. right cuz like the thing is is like i think um 90 to 120 dollars for an apron is is quite expensive if you're an up and coming cook or if you're a young sous chef like maybe ask for it for christmas you know but like mm-hmm. i don't know for me it's kind of like Yes, I love the aprons. I do love them. But here's the thing. When I'm working, like in the professional kitchen, dude, I'm going for my case and apron because it's 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 broken in, it's light, and honestly the straps are longer. And uh the thing is it's is adorable. I like the I, yeah, it's true. I know. And I also have a uh, yeah, I just to give you a little backstory, Kaysen is in San Francisco and I mm. got some I got some custom made aprons about two since 2019. And mm. honestly, I didn't like them at first. I didn't like them. I did not like them. Uh, I was kind of mad. Mm. I was kind of upset because I got 11 of them. And uh, But I'll tell you what, man, six months in, oof, when they were broken in and washed. They came nice. They were washed yeah. about like 15 to 30, you know, times. I don't know how much mm. times. But, you know, then they started getting comfortable and soft. And like now it's funny because like just like you, Casey, I wear the H&B when I'm filming or when I'm at the house. When I'm filming. But like mm-hmm. – for some reason, I can consciously tell that I almost like. So the thing is, is when I with H and B, when you tr- when you go to make a custom apron, you're over 140, 150 bucks, right? Like, wow. And it's just it's just, that's nuts. Yeah, and it's like, listen, I I love it, but I don't know if I would recommend that for a young upcoming cook, right? I would yeah. ask for it for Christmas, but then you only have one. Whereas you could get three aprons at fifty dollars a piece. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And rotate them. Now, on the other hand, my brother, who is uh, also an H&B ambassador, right? He has he has a chef jacket made by them, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And he said, it, he, cool. he, said it's, he said it's the best chef jacket he's ever had in his life. Okay. And he's mm. bigger, too. He's bigger. He's, he's like 250 pounds. So mm. there's no question on quality. The thing is, is like, and I, I um, 
you know, I'll, you know, just like I said, I, it's kind of like a double edged sword, right? Cause I wear H and B and I have actually, yeah. I should do a giveaway. I have one, two, three, four, five. I have five aprons now, five Headley and Bennett. Too aprons. many. But think about that. <laughs> when you're in a professional kitchen, you have three to five aprons, right? The yeah. total amount Can of we? the cost of these aprons is probably like, if I were to add it up, it'd be like 550, five something, right? Mm-hmm. You know, five, yeah. And I'm just, you know, you have to ask yourself, is it actually worth it? No, it is worth it. If you're filming content, the H&B looks good. Yeah. It looks good on camera. Um, but if you're, you're in a professional kitchen working a saute station, I don't know. Bro. You know? You're going to get mad if you get stuff on it. Yeah. Tell now, I, I, will, I will also argue that, listen, I love the fact that um, what H&B stands for, I love... What, um, you know, Ellie, you know, she, Elle, she used to work at, uh, Providence in, in Los Angeles, you know, mad respect. Oh, yeah. 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 And so, um, you know, the company's great, but yeah, I think that's always going to be an issue, man, is the cost, right? You know, it's, it's just like, cost. I it, mean, it, for a hundred bucks, was that like a knife, couple of tools, couple Yeah. And it's like, tweezers, it's like, listen, I'm, but like, here's cheers. the thing. I'm not, yeah, but I'm not tripping though. Like, you know, it's Gucci compared to Target. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I said that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Gucci parent compared to Target. You know what I'm saying? You're paying for the label, and that's the thing. And yeah. you're also paying for the quality. So I think you, as the consumer, need to make the decision. But as someone that wears a ton of aprons, man, I'm telling you, I love the H and B. You know what my favorite mm-hmm. one is? Is the the gray one I wear? I love the gray one. It's uh, like me too. spandex. It's, the, it's yeah, like stretchy. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, spandex, yeah. man. I love it. So, I wore it to um I wore it to work for about two months and I got stains on it. I can't get removed no more. Does, does the, that, the grease stains, right? The grease stains. Yeah. Yeah. That's why that's why I would go. argue I would argue that if you're if you're clanging pans in the kitchen, right, you need to pick an apron that is uh more is like more user friendly, right? Easy to mm-hmm. move in, right? Uh like you know, something that like if if you burn a hole in it, you're not gonna cry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you know what? The same goes for knives. Think about this. Think Correct. about this. Dude, I, I, I use Mizono at work, the UX10. Now, listen, mm-hmm. this knife is not, in my eyes, it's not a six, $700 knife, right? Yes. It's not. It's in the middle of the road. It's a knife that if somebody steals it, I'm not going to cry. It's a knife that's yeah. readily available. It's a good quality knife. It's a workhorse, right? Now, mm-hmm. here's the thing. You can go a step above that. You can go with Massimo. You know, there's so many Japanese knives you can get. That you could spend five, six hundred bucks. Well, yeah. in my eyes, that's what Headley Bennett is. It's the higher end Japanese knife compared to that makes the, sense. The middle of the road for Mizono. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know sense. a lot. And and I'm, I'm sure, like, I see people complain about the price all the time. And then I see, I see, like, the the sponsored uh, posts where it's like, you know, Sad Poppy's talking about the price, and then even mm. the CEO is talking about the price. And, uh, you know, this is why they're expensive. But if you see that, it's the number one complaint about Headley yeah. Bennett. And there's no question, bucks. there's no question on the actual quality, but it's just like, it's true. It's like, you almost have to like pick and choose. That's why I tell people don't go out and spend $600 on a chef knife. If you don't know how to sharpen it. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Like get, get, some, get like a $40 Victoria. I, I keep saying it. I'm just like, get a decent steel that'll last you for ages. And Victoria Knox and Mercer's. Yeah, those starter ones, bro. They, they. I mean, I've had mine for, for ten years now. It's, it's. I can't break it. There's no way, I can chip the hell out of it. Sure, and yeah, it's re-sharpening but like, you know what? Good. That's that's a good point, Casey. Listen, I, I, um, you know, let's at a previous job, I'll say, mm-hmm. I used to get so frustrated because uh, a sous chef would want to use my knife, right? Oh, right. And the thing is, is he'd be like, you know, hey, chef, I'm, I need to, I need to cut some fish, man. Can I use your knife? Can I use your slicer? 
And then I remember saying like, hey, hey no, listen, if you don't take care don't of your own knife, knife, if you don't take care of your own knife, why the fuck do you think you should touch my knife? Why do you think it's yeah. okay? Like, I get it. Like, if you're cutting sushi and you need something fast, you need it this knife. I'm like, but you don't take care of your own knives. And uh, a lot of cooks used to complain about him not having a sharp knife. And, and it's crazy because, like, I remember, like, hey, you need to have your, your knives need to be sharp. And then the thing is, is yeah. what I was battling with is, like, the actual time for them to sharpen the knife and them just eating up too much of their time, right? Well, guess uh, what? I, I came up with a great solution. I bought a cheaper set of knives, an electric sharpener. Right. Yeah. And and guess what, man? It fixed the solution. Right. It yeah, fi- I mean, sorry, it fixed the problem. It fixed the problem. Right. Because sharpening with a whetstone takes a little finesse, takes a little grace. And sometimes and I remember my sous chefs didn't really have time to do all of that. They would send their knives to get sharpened. Right. You know, you have to pick and choose your battle. I don't let anybody touch my knives except for um, uh, uh, L.A. Um, Japanese knife imports in Los Angeles. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's I think that's really important to take in consideration is like. You got to keep that knife sharp, man. If not, yeah. that's like the one thing in a kitchen. Like, I don't know how many kitchens I've been in where like a chef has checked my knives. Like, yeah. checked. And I remember mm-hmm. uh, I remember when uh, uh, Joshua Skeens at Saison checked my knife. Like, he, like I remember he's like, hey, I'm going to use this real quick to cut this. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead, yeah. chef. And I had just, bro, I just put a razor on it. Like a razor edge. <laughs> like... But it was a thin knife. It wasn't a. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a heavy knife. Yeah. So I got it. It was really good though. I mean, it's stuck in the cutting board. It was crazy. That's how sharp it was. Do you you use a lot more all-purpose knives? Let me ask you that because yeah. I my main thing is a cleaver in the kitchen. Well, yeah. I, I mean, listen. For me, I didn't. I wasn't head. raised like that. So, like a lot of people that do use cleavers, you know, they usually have an Asian background or Chinese. You know, and yeah. that's totally fine, man. I'm totally cool with that. I pretty much use a Western style Japanese knife. So Miyagi, Mizono, um, you know, I got to be honest, like um, the classic Japanese knives, I love them, but I just find myself leaning more towards the Western style handle. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And my favorite type of handle is the uh, the oval, like the Shun or the Miyabi. Mm -hmm. Um, The Mizono is great, but like, I got to be honest, that Miyabi Birchwood is my favorite. It's light. It's great. It's like, Mm -hmm. but it's expensive, dude. That from my 10 inch chef knife is like 450 bucks. Yeah, they're pricey. Yeah, they're They're pricey, pricey, but but it's worth it. um, The Japanese, like, it depends what kind of knife style it is, too. You're you're more referring to like a Gyuto style, so it has a little bit of curve. Yeah. Um, The ones that I have, the Japanese stuff, is all straight. Okay. There's no curve. Yeah. The the way you have to cut things is you, you pull up. Yeah. And down kind of a yeah a chop thing but it if you take care of it man it's it's super sharp and all my knives are cheap yeah nothing over 100 bucks except for except for one that i got on my uh when i made exec the first yeah. time yeah and you know what that's a, that's started. a good point you know i would argue that the straight knife is easier to sharpen you know mm. what i'm saying because you don't have Way to deal easier. with the curve you don't have to deal with the mm-hmm. curve but um you know let me ask you something do you sharpen with the whetstone or do you have you ever used an electric sharpener I have both. So yeah, it, when when I was um, when I was at Legals, we had because we were paying it was eighty dollars every two weeks for a knife sharpener, and it's like twenty five knives. And I and I brought it up to corporate. I'm like, hey, listen, look, I, I know this is standard procedure. Can can I can I do the budget and get like I don't know five six hundred bucks extra on like dry, and just buy like a like a pro, um, what you call it, a sharpener. Like yeah. the, the electric sharpener and like a dozen knives 
from like Restaurant Depot, like the Mercer ones. Yeah. They're like fourteen, fifteen dollars a pot. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? I was like, bro, do do the do the math yourself. Like, it will cost us thousands when I can literally do it in house and have the have have the guys do it. They they know yeah. how to sharpen. It's yeah. like, like, like literally, you can't you, you can't fuck it up. It. it tells you yeah. how to do it. Yeah, yeah. That's and, and you know what? Like, oh I'm, my god. I'm, and I'm gonna be honest, like, uh, and I'm and this is just my personal opinion. Uh, you know, uh-huh. chefs can do whatever they want, but like, um, you know, I think you're a hundred percent right. Like Mm -hmm. they need to take accountability of sharpening their own knife. And I have just recently in the last six months been acceptable, like susceptible to an electric sharpener because of the ease of Mm -hmm. use. And so I actually purchased one for work because, um, you know, my knives are tight, but like, dude, I don't have time to be hitting the, you know, the house knives on the the whetstone. Right. And like some of them are cheap. Some of them are good. Some, and I'm like, you know what? I really don't have time for that. But here's the thing with electric sharpener, it takes the guesswork out of it. And, um, even though I don't use that for my knives, I think if I were in a restaurant setting, I would definitely cut the knife guy and have, uh, the cooks and the chefs use the electric sharpener to keep the knives mm-hmm. tight because like, dude, that is the most time I've ever seen injury is from a dull knife. A knife from that's a dull not. Knife. Yeah, exactly. Can I show you this? Oh, snap. From a what dull happened? knife. I was, oh. I was using, uh, one of my slicers at work. One of my, uh, I couldn't get my, my knife off. So I, I just picked out one of the house knives. Dull. Sliced right through the, the thumb right off. Well, not the thumb, but like a little tip of it. Yeah tip right off and they're like oh my god are you can't like well give me the salt i literally i was like give me the salt give me a glove boom out let's, <laughs> let's keep going and this Damn, was on bro. this was friday brandon remember that 30 top i was telling you about yeah yeah that was crazy That's rough dude rough what were you slicing duck yeah damn come on bro you know you need a razor sharp to, to slice I know. duck dog that's exactly what it is well, you know what that's what reach for my knife that's, real quick that's what your podcast gets room. man that's what you punk yeah, ass gets for, for slicing like exactly a, what I get like a gogolian, yeah, bro. Yeah. Like like anyway, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest, thumb, man. Right? Yeah, one time and I was slicing. I use I use an um, damn I can't even say it a yanagi for slicing meat. Ah, one sided, mm-hmm. always. And always. Uh, I have one that I've you know it has just been. I, I, it's just for me to get that really nice clean slice. You know, I feel like with the chef knife, it's you have to zigzag, but man, with that, yeah, you know, oh. Bro, with that one sushi slice, knife, one man. Slice. Oh, give me, give me a. Oof. Yeah, it happens quick. So, like, too. I, I brought it back home. So, this is my main slicer. This is yeah. a sukihiji. Right? That's cute. That's cute. What is that? Eight, eight like inches? No. <laughs> it's it's eight point six. Yeah, so I like, I like the motion. ten inch, man. That's it. I like but bro, the 10.5. just like just one. That's it. That's yeah. that motion. I just yeah. I just sharpen it. So this is yeah. pretty. Why do you have it on your desk, dog? Is that I mean, listen, are you waiting for somebody to break it? Go to work. Do you wait, wait for somebody to break in your house, dog? I'm, you can I'm tell about it. to go to work, so I have it right here, dude. Yeah, you can't, dude. You can tell, man, shoot. You can tell you ain't got no kids, man. I can't I have to leave my knives up and away. Well, it was on the um, the magnet holder, but as soon as we're, oh, you okay. know, and then we... I keep on, uh, I keep on, my, on forgetting. It's on my so, desk currently. So for everybody that's listening, I'm in California, so it's only 9, 16 a.m. over, the, over here, mm-hmm. and on the East Coast, it's like 12, 16, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude, so that's crazy, man. So let's let's talk about uh let's talk about the holidays, bro. So the holidays, right? Do you do you guys get crazy right now? Is your work crazy no, right now? No, actually, I'm gonna be honest. I am like, I am so grateful that uh, you know my, and uh, <laughs> dude, I really hope that I don't want to say this on air, but I'm gonna say it. Like my it's workload. Okay. Oh, Stovengard. 
He's well, in. We do got Bro. we got a stove in. What's up, too. dog? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Definitely Holy hear you. Shit, bro. Are you you good? Uh, yeah. I'm good. Are you good? Okay. Insanity. Okay. How are you? Uh, I'm good, man. Nice to nice to meet you, dude. We've yeah, like we were just talking. We like uh, chat via TikTok, but it's really awesome to like. So this is the first time we're all meeting, right? So yeah. I, so first off, what is your name? Oh, my name is Mike Hayes. Mike Hayes. Okay. Oh, what's yeah, up, Mike? Because I only know your handle. I don't know like your actual name. Yes, dude. That's Mike like a Hayes. big. That's like a big problem. Like I never oh. knew how much of a problem that would be until mm. I started to blow up, and then it's oh, like okay. companies are like they'll reach out to me and be like, "I didn't know how to get a hold of you because I'm like, I mean, I have my email in my profile, but it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. they're like, I, I couldn't find you anywhere. I'm like, well, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> that's crazy man you know i want to talk about your progression man because i'm so excited for you i'm so i literally am so happy for you that this is happening and you also still work in nine to five right yeah dude yeah that's crazy yeah, um man. yeah it's it's insane yeah um yeah so basically it started off that i um all right so it, it started off that i did youtube for a long time okay like two yeah. years um, and it just like, I never got traction on YouTube at all. And I, and it was always, somebody had more talent than me, which there's plenty of people that have more talent than me. And that's not me just being like mm-hmm. shitty on myself, but there is yeah. like, there's a, there's so much, you're never going to have somebody that's not, you know, better than you. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. But like, there's things that I have that other people don't. And there's things that other people have that I don't. And I think you just got to use your strengths. But basically, yeah. mm. on YouTube, I had such a hard time doing that. Such a hard time, dude. Welcome and to the welcome to the freaking crew, bro. I've you know yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah. I've been YouTube, I've been doing YouTube for over two years too, and I'm still at like 2,700. But uh, KC, yeah. same thing. He's been doing it for four years. But yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, yeah. So I so I did YouTube for about two years, and I had maybe like a thousand followers. I mean, that would be it. Mm. And the funny thing that's funny as shit my my mom saw all the videos that i was making and she was like well can you help me out because she loves interior decorating so then Mm. and i was like well i don't have the cameras for that shit you know what i mean like i don't have cameras good enough to make me look good i can't help i don't know how i can help you but i'll come over just to be nice to my mom and you know i made her an edit i edited her video and posted it it got like 40,000 views overnight. I was like, are you kidding me? Bro, she now has like 20,000 followers and she never posts because she doesn't know how to edit videos and she doesn't live in Maryland anymore. Uh, well, she lives in Maryland, but oh, she lives wow. like three hours away. Yeah. So it's like, it's just so funny. But I told her ever since I blew up on TikTok, she's like, I got to learn how to do TikTok. I was like, Ma, you can edit your own videos on TikTok. It's yeah. easy. Mm, like, easy. it's easy. easy. You can so, in-app, in-app edit. Yeah, yeah. So what I basically what happened with me, that's when I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, even with my mm-hmm. shitty equipment, I can totally do this. And then yeah. um eventually I couldn't do it with with cooking and I was like, maybe I'm just not good enough. And I was like, I still love music because that's like my other passion is music. I have a lot of different passions. There we go. But, um, and I was like, cool, I'll make a music one. Me, me and my brother, we kind of made a music one and we, we rolled with it. And then, uh, like that one did okay. 
but it didn't break like 500 followers and i was like yeah. man I, I don't know maybe i need to do it. and i was like making other youtube channels trying to yeah. make it happen and Dude, then i, totally, I stopped I totally doing that. all that i stopped doing yeah. all that and when tiktok kind of started to blow up my wife was sending me videos like over and over again, funny little videos on TikTok. And I was like, dude, TikTok's dumb. Like, it's so dumb. Yeah, I said And then thing. she sent me somebody that was cooking. And I was like, this is on there? All right. I was like, all right, I'll download it just to like check it out. Um, I don't even remember who it was. I think it was, um, I don't even remember her handle, but she's like the older woman. Um, oh. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Sherry. It's not she ain't old. No, it's no. somebody different. Anyway. Um yeah, and I was like, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this out. I'm gonna try this out. So then I downloaded it. My mm. second video uh got like five hundred thousand views and I had ten thousand wow. followers overnight and I was like Nice. I was like, This is insane. All right. And it was a cooking hack video. It was like what I'm known for on TikTok. Yeah. That's like dope. The only videos Dude. that used to do well for me was the cooking hacks. Yeah, but still, you gotta, you know, you have to find those videos that are gonna drive your page. But listen, Mike, I want to let's. Can you give the uh, the listener and the viewers a little three minute summary of, um, you know, just basically how you grew up, what how you got into cooking, and then how you transition into social media? That'd be great. And what you do now oh, for yeah, a current for job? Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, currently. Uh, well, I'll start back to uh, childhood. So, I um, I had I had a really good childhood. Um, my mm. parents were awesome. Uh, parents are still together. You know, parents are thriving. Um, and I have two other brothers, so it's three of us, and I'm the youngest. Okay. Um, and kind of skipping ahead to when I started working, it was early. So I turned. 15 and I remember I wanted to buy something and I asked my dad for money so that I could buy this like $50 video game or whatever it was and he was like I mean you can get it for your birthday or you can get it for Christmas but you know unless you want it and he made a joke and he was like unless you want it you're going to have to go get a job and I was like oh, wow. I thought about it and I was young enough and, and, and aware enough that like my brothers both had jobs because they're a little bit older than me I was like I can go get a job and I went to McDonald's and I got myself a job at McDonald's and uh, I thought I was like Mr. Moneybags back then, back then because <laughs> no I was working a lot of hours at McDonald's as, at a, as a 15 year old. Um, but then as soon as I turned 16, my brother who was working at a restaurant who was like bar backing uh, at a restaurant was like, dude, we need bus boys. So mm. come on down. Oh. And now that you're 16, you can actually be uh, you know, working in a restaurant. I was like, Let's go. So then I did that and I left McDonald's to do that. And that really opened my eyes to a lot of things. I remember like always walking back in the kitchen and I seen all the dudes cooking and I was like, that's, that's dope. Like yeah. that's really cool. Mm. And I, when I was younger, I was into cooking too, but I didn't know, I didn't know shit at all. And it wasn't like my dad sat down with me or my mom sat down with me and cooked with me. And then that's what like sparked it. It really sparked watching guys cook in this kitchen and I was like, that's really cool. I really want to do that. And so then I was a busboy for a long time um, till I was probably 16, 17, 18. I think when I turned 18 is when I started branching out. I think I was an expo. 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh. So, you know, the, the, the um, cooks were like handing food over and I played it and all that. I don't have to tell you what expos are. But anyway, um, I was in expo for about a year. And then I think when I turned 19 is when I officially started cooking. Mm. Um, but leading up to that, from 16 on, that's when I really started like watching Food Network and watching YouTube videos of people cooking. And mm. actually, I have this I, <laughs> when I was, I think I was like 17. I don't remember, but I made a, a, a cooking YouTube channel with my friends and it was called Guys Cooking Shirtless. And we would like just cook <laughs> shirtless. Dude, and it, I don't know. I have no idea why we did that, but it was hilarious. And uh, we would like do funny stuff. Like we would cook like bacon grease and the bacon would be like splattering on us. We're like, ah, ah. Is that video still around? Those yeah, bro, still- oh, snap. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, you better, you better hope somebody to dig it up. <laughs> Dude, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I go back and I laugh at it so much. Like I'm using frozen chicken. Yeah, and like thawing it out and then cooking it in hot oil. I'm like, dude, that, so much of it's like cringy, but it's like it's my past. Like it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. So, so I'm always curious. So now you do. Um, now what's your nine to five job? Yeah. So now, oh, can you see me? Yeah, I can see. You. Okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody yeah. had called me and I it, it broke up. Um, yeah. nine to five currently. Um, I am a roofing salesman. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, wow. so let me ask you something. What happened to I? Always, I'm always curious. So what made you want to jump out of cooking or like becoming a chef? I should say, or like okay. being in the restaurant industry. Yeah. So I had jumped from job to job uh, in restaurant because at first it was like all you can be is a fry cook here. We can't really give you anything else. And I was like, cool. I did that for like a year, and I was like, not that I'm bored of it. I just like I want more. Like I want more. And so they were like, well, we could let you do salads. And I was like, that's dope. So I did salads for like, I, I did fry and salad for like a year and a half. But that place, nice. they didn't really need a salad guy because they had plenty of them. It was just like, we know you want more. So here it is. So most of the time I was doing, I was just doing fried food. And what was mm. unfortunate about that was I worked at a place that did wing nights. So it was like two times a week. All I was doing was cooking wings and it was like wings. Yeah, it was it was honestly terrible. It was really bad. Um, <clears throat> it was like very passionless cooking and that's what I didn't like yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, so fast forward, like I jumped to a different job and there I was working fry and grill and I was like, cool. And then I jumped to another one for more money and there I was working pizza. So I would make like roll out the dough, hand the pizza over, uh, all that stuff. And then they, they put me on pasta. And it's like, at that place, that's where I learned a lot. And what sucks, it was like the most corporate place of all of them because I hated that. I hated like measuring out every yeah. single ingredient and mm. they're going to like, they're going to shoot you if you go outside, like put an extra shredded piece of cheese on there. And it's like, I hated that and it like made me feel very passionless about cooking again. Yeah. And um eventually it got to the point where I just wasn't making enough money to you know to support what I wanted to do mm-hmm. that I was like there here's the sales job. I think I'm going to go take it and then just continue pursuing it, uh, cooking as a passion in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, you and, know. So I did. I did. I started I started selling furniture. And then I turned 22 and 21 and my dad was like, 
um, you know, we have an opening at my job, which he was a he was selling roof for this for these comp for this company, mm. and then it, it was all it all happened from there. So then I got the yeah. roofing job, and I was still living with my parents. So I saved a ton of money, um, you know, bought a house when I was twenty one. <laughs> nice. Crazy, wow, and, yeah. and it's it's been. You know, all downhill from there, I should say. But yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's so that's so funny, but like I totally get what you're saying about the corporate restaurant. And it's funny because see, this is where Casey and I, we're like, we're like yin and yang. So basically I have the Michelin star fine dining background. Where, yeah. and he comes from the corporate world, right? He's a corporate yeah. like pretty much a corporate chef. Well, not anymore, but like now, but that's his background. And it's funny because I used to work at Cheesecake Factory when I was like 17 or 18, right? I went straight yeah. for the money. I didn't know. I just knew that they were paying $13 an hour back then. I was making mm -hmm. fucking minimum wage and it that sounded good to me. And yeah. I remember when the corporate chef came to the window and he looked at me and he said, "Hey, how many sesame seeds are in a tablespoon?" And I looked oh. at him like, what are you talking about? He's like, in this dish. I want you to tell me how many are in this dish. And he was just being cocky and being a dick, right? And I'm just like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, because I would just do this, you know, sesame seeds, boom. Yeah. He's like, it's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be one tablespoon of sesame seeds on the teriyaki chicken or whatever it was. And, and I remember thinking like, that is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my fucking life. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm so sorry. Like the chicken is cooked perfectly. Like this chicken is yeah. cooked perfectly. And you want to sit here and talk about 42 sesame, sesame seeds? seeds in a tablespoon? Get the fuck out of here. And then you know what he said? You know what he said? You know what he said? He's like, well, why do you have to get so upset? And I'm like, because you know, the, the, the and then so the, <laughs> and it, he said like, well, think about this. If you put a tablespoon and a half over the course of a year and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know what? Okay, fine. Like I, I get it. I'm like, dude, this is ridiculous. And it's so funny yeah. because that right there, put that taste in my mouth for corporate is evil. For corporate. Right? Which, yeah. <laughs> and like, listen, I remember when I put in my notice and uh, listen, first of all, Cheesecake Factory is a great place to work. I'm not downing Cheesecake Factory. It just wasn't for mm -hmm. me. Um, there was two things that I couldn't agree with, um, you know, one, like, you know how when you're working somewhere and like, you know, something's wrong, but you're too young to ask or like say something. Yes. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. When I started at Cheesecake Factory, every, every single cook took the portion bag. So you portion bag pasta in the saute pan. Guess where the portion bag went on the fucking floor. On the floor. On mm. the floor. And then every hour, somebody would come with the squeegee and squeegee all the portion bags down to the end of the line and throw them in the trash. And I remember thinking like, I remember like stepping on like, and I'm like, this is so stupid. I'm like, this makes no sense. But there was no room on the line to put a trash can. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just, yeah. and hopefully they've changed that. I just remember uh, thinking like, you know, when I become a chef, I am never, ever going to, going to freaking do that. <laughs> but that, that's what made, that's what made me turn away from corporate and it left a bad taste in my mouth for my whole career. And I remember when I put in my notice, now don't get me wrong. I crushed it at Cheesecake Factory. Within six months, I had already known three stations. I got 50 cents raise each time, mm. but I wanted to learn how to be a chef. So I actually uh, migrated out of it. And I remember when I put in my notice, the corporate chef was like, well, hey, you know, there's opportunity for growth. And I'm like, listen, you can <laughs> say whatever you want. I just don't want to work so here, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like it, uh. like, like I, it's gross. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like for me, it was just I couldn't freaking do it, man. And it's so funny because I'm so glad that I actually was um, con like I 
I started cooking when I was young. So like I knew exactly what I want. I could pinpoint what type of chef I wanted to be. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I think that's, that is a very difficult thing to do when you're a young cook, right? What type of chef do you want to be? Um, because there's plenty of outlets, you know? But, um, yeah, that, that freaking, but I'm always curious to see, like, because I'll be honest, Mike, listen, I've been a chef for a while, but like, I, this industry is shitty. It really is. <laughs> it is equally as rewarding if you can make it, if you can survive mm -hmm. the low pay, the long hours, the holidays, the fucking weekends, the nights. And I'll tell you right now, COVID has changed my, it was like a blessing and a curse because it changed my perception on this. And you can see it right now in the restaurant industry. People are just, bro, I can, I can make 90 grand a year selling feet picks online. I'm going to fucking do that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I'm going to do that. Like I have, so, like I'm, I'm based in, I'm here in uh, the Bay area and there are so many of my chef friends asking me for line cooks and prep cooks and dishwashers. Mm. And guess what? You know what they're doing now? Uber Eats, DoorDash, right? Yeah. Something uh, else yeah. that pays more. They make so much more money because guess what? Everybody's getting yeah, their shit delivered and like Instacart and like they, you know, they get to choose their hours. They can work whenever they want. They don't have, they can just turn the app off. And it's funny because I tell everybody like now you have to make the job like awesome. You know what I'm saying? And I see, and what I was getting at is like, I always ask the question, what made you want to switch over? And it's always the same reason. The, you know, the low pay, the hours, right? Mm -hmm. The actual, this is what people don't, don't take in consideration. It's the actual physical work too. Like yeah. go working straight, Demanding. eight hours, no break, freaking cooking, cooking. Like, dude, sometimes when I used to leave the kitchen, I would be burnt, bro. Oh yeah. <laughs> I always was. Always like, was. Dude. And so it's like, man, I'm always curious to see like, and then I always caution the, um, the, I have a true passion about helping the younger generation of chef, right? Like passing the torch, like, Hey, this is the way. And I, I always caution them of like, Hey, this industry is cutthroat. Like the restaurant industry will chew you up and spit you out, man. Like it, it literally will. And it's unfortunate, but I always tell people like, which direction do you want to go? Because if you just want to create social media, if you just want to hop on YouTube or TikTok and Instagram and create food, you don't need any restaurant experience. You could do, mm -hmm. if you want to be a creator, just hop, just get right into it, right into it. Watch YouTube videos. There are so much free content out there that people have people that doing things right, where you can learn mm -hmm. and do it yourself and trial and error. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, and that's, it's, it's crazy, man, because like, I, I think a lot of young cooks nowadays are just like, they're kind of at a loss because now people are smart. They're like, wait, I'm going to pay 80 grand for culinary school and come out as on, on the bottom as a prep cook making minimum wage. Yeah. That, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what's going to happen. You think you come out of culinary school as a sous chef? No. Uh-uh. No. I mean, Casey, what's your, what's your, prep. what's your point of view on that? So I let me give you the let me give you the Yang perspective, right, Stove? So um, when I was growing up, I was like, oh man, I really wanted to cook, and I, I I fully wanted to be a cook ever since I was nine. Still in the Philippines, right? Come over here, and I was training in mom and pop shops. But anyway, I was like, how can I make more money? So I, I tried corporate, I liked it, but I'm like, mm, I want I want finer stuff. Yeah. So in my twenties, I went to go do the Michelin route as Brandon is doing, but I'm based here in New Jersey. So I, I went to New York city, but bro, it was, it was so stupidly cutthroat. Like yeah. people will cut you down to get to the next position. They don't care. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. If you can't make it, fuck it. Bye. Move on to the next one. That stuff. That's such a sour tone in my mouth. 
that I didn't go Michelin route. And yeah. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to make a lot more money than any of these motherfuckers in corporate. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Going yeah. back corporate. But at the same time, I could care less what I was doing, managing the stores or whatever. But I would still train. I would still stage in Michelin restaurants. That way, my brain yeah. is always fresh. So that's the, that's the yin and yang you, know, you You make a great point, Casey, and I want to share this. The, there's mm-hmm. a there's a person that I went to culinary school with, the Florida Culinary Institute in West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, we both started at Cheesecake Factory at the same time. And mm-hmm. he is still at the Cheesecake Factory. So we're talking about 20 plus years. All right. So well, yeah. it was 2000, let's say 2005. So 2005, so sure. 15 or 16. Almost 20 years. And don't get me wrong. He climbed his way up the ladder. He loves his job. He loves it. He's been Cheesecake Factory the whole time. Right. And so- mm-hmm. For, for, I mean, I remember when he was, you know, he, he got to like 120 grand a year while I was still a cook, my G still cooking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he's posting, he's posting his brand new Audi S5 that <laughs> yeah. the Cheesecake Factory bought him. Okay. Cause you get to a certain <laughs> level and then you get your own store and you also get a company car and yeah. those perks are cool, man. And it's like, you know what? It's, it's funny because like I was jealous to start, but then I realized like, Hey, if you give us both a mystery basket, right? If you we go to the farmer's mm. market, you give him a mystery basket and you give me a mystery basket, know. I'm going to blow your mind. He's yeah, going to yeah, give yeah. you sliders. You know what I'm saying? And it's <laughs> just it's just the way it is. Like he's going to give you a Cheesecake Factory dish. And it's like, yeah, that is not what I want my identity to be. I wanted to be, you know, like I can do pastry. I can do savory. I can run a banquet of 300 people, 250 people. I can build you a restaurant. I can conceptualize a restaurant for you. And so it mm. just depends on what route you want to go. But I'll be honest, like. I think what you're doing, uh, Mike, it, uh, I, I like calling you stove. You like that stove? I, dude, I'm yeah, fine yeah, with that. Yeah, I like stove. I, I like stove. But I, I love what you're doing because you're like, I'm a big fan of you because like you're making it approachable for some a yeah. beginner level cook. Yeah. And, and I'm like, dude, I love this, man. And like That's your, what tips, I wanted to do, man. your tips are legit, man. Your everything you do is mm-hmm. awesome. And it's funny because, um, you know, I try to tell people like you can learn from anybody and always have an open mind. I, uh, me, yeah. unfortunately, I have this like, and it's just the way it is. And my boss tells me this as well. Like I have an overwhelming amount of confidence that almost comes off cocky. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and it's like, dude, I try the best I can, but like, even at work, like, you know, if I step foot in the kitchen, it's just, it's just, it is what it is. Like I, yeah. you know, I, I and I'm, it's very hard. It comes across as a vi- in the video sometime where, you know, like, it's like when I'm telling you a technique or certain, it's just because of the years of experience. And it's kind of like, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to sound cocky. It's just like the way that it, that I come across and yeah. And like, I, you know, I know it's kind of, but it just is what it is, man. It's just like when I played football, when I played football, man, like, dude, I'm, I'm not playing special teams. I want to be on the first string. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. like, yeah. You know, and it's like, and it's just hard because like, I wish I kind of had what you had where you're, it's like, you're talking to a five-year-old and people can download it. And that's why your videos get so many views. You know what I'm saying? And I can appreciate that. You know, I, I really do. And like, sometimes I lose people seven seconds in when I'm talking about a ISI canister, (laughs) right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's true. And, uh, Casey, I know you have some, uh, videos on deck of stove over here. So Let's let's go ahead and run I through do. it. I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. So like the funny thing Stove was mentioning about his stuff, like I already have the things planned. So Stove, um, just to give you some I couldn't so here here's what happened, right? I saw one of your hacks a long time ago. I was like, what is this dude's name? I can't I, I know what he looks like. I could not find your video anywhere. And I'm like, God damn it. 
And not so recently, you surfaced back again. I was like, oh my God. Boom, Insta follow. But before I did that, I didn't know you were following me already. I was like, oh my God, this is the guy right here. So anyway, before full disclosure, right? So still, if this is you, I got some videos of you. But the, the one I wanted to do, though, this is the video that I knew of you. Oh, you it's second. okay, dude. It's okay. I know. I know. <laughs> this is memory memory lane for you. Just give me a second. All right. I was like, this is the dude right here. This is what I remembered him as. So here we go. Three cooking hacks that I learned in restaurants. First is probably my favorite. I love my wood cutting board, but I use this one way more. Problem is these plastic ones slide too much. So you got to take a wet paper towel, put it underneath and it won't slide anymore. Booyah yeah. kasha, right so, there. You know, it's funny, Stove, I know it's, I know it's cringy watching yourself, but we, this, trust me, it's, it's good. I, when I first started creating TikToks, I couldn't get over the fact of like, it was so hard for me to like not critique myself and I'm the, my biggest critic, mm-hmm. but, um, dude, that's a great video, man. I'm telling you, man, dude, I have so many problems with that video. Yeah, I know. It's a, <laughs> dude, listen, if you it, listen, it, it's crazy because like, if it wasn't for Gary V, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Like dude, he, Gary V, I love Gary V. Yeah. He's like, you need to post a hundred videos without judging yeah. yourself. Post your <laughs> yeah. first hundred, then judge yourself. And he's so right. There's so many videos that I post that I've just posted. Just like, forget it. Just post it. And I'm so glad I have that. Um, that I'm so glad I have that mindset now. So there's two things I want to ask. What do you use to film? Do you just use your phone or do you use uh, a just, set? Just my phone. Because <laughs> his dude, lighting so, is nice. Dude, for everybody out there, I'm telling you right now, if you listen and if you're watching on YouTube, you do not need a freaking set, you know, $7,000 camera setup. Okay. Trust me on this. Look at Stove and Garden. Look at Albert Can Cook. Albert Can Cook has 2.5 mil followers. I couldn't believe his camera quality when I went to go do the collab with him. And I'm like, hey, man, what kind of what kind of setup you got over here? And he's like, setup? What do you mean setup? <laughs> on my phone. And I'm like, yeah, what kind of camera do you use? I got the Sony AS, AS3. Well, I didn't know because his English isn't really that good. He speaks Russian. But um, he's like, but he could, we, you know, it happens all the time, like where we couldn't. I was like, yeah, what kind of camera setup? He's like, what do you mean? I use my phone. No, his wife said, his wife said, we use the iPhone. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> What? But it's funny because I wasn't good and I don't claim to be a videographer or a cinematographer, but my first, my first, uh, three to five months of TikTok was just iPhone, just iPhone. Mm-hmm. And then I started, I switched to a, a camera, but I would argue that you do not need that. You need to get the content on the fucking page, like post yeah. it quantity mm-hmm. over quality with IG and TikTok. You don't need really high quality, but with YouTube, I would argue that you do. Yeah, I think that's the problem with the reason why I couldn't get like any traction on YouTube. I think also Mm -hmm. the problem is when I, okay, here, the two different mics here, two two different stoves. Uh, When I made YouTube, I made it to blow up. That was the the only reason, right? That was the only reason why I made YouTube. Because I just, I wanted to be a, a content creator. I had this false idea of what it was going to be. It didn't blow up. And I think maybe it came across that way. Like I didn't, I didn't care about mm-hmm. actually teaching anybody. Yeah. Now, fast forward to TikTok. I made those TikToks because it was an outlet for me. Because I was having stress about my child about to be brought into this world. And I'm yeah. like, I, like, I mm-hmm. want like some sort of outlet. And I love teaching people like that's yeah. I love doing that. Like yeah. if you come to me and you're like, hey, dude, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to draw this. I'm going to be like, 
I got you. And I will sit down for like a whole hour and teach you how to draw the stick figure yeah. for just because I just love teaching. Um, and I think that's goes right along with what you were saying about how the reason why my videos do so well is because it's so approachable. And I learned mm -hmm. that early because so many people were like, I've never cooked before and I'm following you so that I can learn how to cook. And that really meant a lot nice. to me because I'm like, okay, here I am making an impact on people. Yes. You know, that's kind of crazy. And then, so I went along and I'm like, I made a couple intricate dishes and they did, they got like a hundred views. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I made, um, banana bread and it got a million views. I'm like, yeah. okay, now I'm understanding if I just do approachable stuff. Sure. This yeah. is what it's going to do. And that's why the three cooking hacks do so well too, because that they're that wow factor of like they get shares because people are like, I never knew that share it. Mm -hmm. And they get the comments. And the reason why that one, why I hate it so much is because I touch raw chicken. Yeah. And then, and like, it's so funny. Like I made that hack, but I clean my, my, the, uh, the, the mallet anyway, yeah. <laughs> like I, I clean mm -hmm. the tenderizer anyway. So like, yeah. I don't even know why okay. I put that one in there. I think I was just like, I need to find three that I can do. Listen, and I just tossed them all together. Tick, TikTok know? is TikTok is weird, man. They, hey, first, wait, first of all, how, how many kids do you have? Just one or two? Uh, one. And okay. It was right, right before I made TikTok. So I Did? made TikTok. I think oh, wow. eleven months ago. No. Okay. Eleven months ago. Uh, no, mm -hmm. ten months ago. But he okay. he just turned ten months. Oh, nice man. Welcome, welcome yeah. to fatherhood. It's the oh, best, it's isn't awesome. it? Wait until they get older. Oh, it's crazy. So I have five and three <laughs> Wait right now. Five years old, three year old. Really cute. But anyway, what was, what was I going to say? I was going to talk about, uh, oh, on TikTok, when you post a video on TikTok, they want to see the whole process of you washing your hands, drying them off. Yeah. Okay. And it's just like, it's ridiculous. It's like, you have yeah. to like, you have to like negotiate while you're making your video. You know what I say? Just make the video and then respond in the comment section because you yeah. need to boost yeah. the engagement. But it's just like, like people, it's like, so I, I leave, so I leave a lot of parts out because here's the thing. If you post a Anything over 30 seconds, you risk the chance of it not getting a lot of views because people click yep. off. Yeah. And it's very easy to see the analytics. Well, you know what? I stopped looking at analytics and it's so funny because now that I just post content that is more authentic and I'm not chasing trends, it's get, it's getting way more views. But like, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I want to get your um, thought on this because I, uh, for me, it's kind of like, and I was just telling Casey about this earlier in the beginning of the podcast. I don't like posting. I don't like getting viral videos, meaning uh, a mil plus, even though viral is considered 250K and above. Mm -hmm. I don't like videos that get a mil or 1.2. I don't like, I just get anxiety because just like I told KC, I went from 40,000 followers to 210 overnight. Yeah. All right. I posted a very controversial video. Dude, it took off. But the yep. amount of negativity and the amount of followers that I got that weren't genuinely interested yeah. in me as a creator ended up mm. hurting my engagement. And I wanted to get your point of view uh -huh. on that. Yeah. I wanted to get your point of view on that because I had a, I recently had a brand reach out to me and I sent them my analytics and they were extremely happy with my engagement with only, um, you know, I think I have like 400 K or something. Whereas mm. the, the thing that I'm seeing now is like, there are creators there that have millions of followers, but low engagement. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Oh yeah. So 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 that's so that's why I was telling KC I would I, seriously I've had you know I've had a couple of videos that reach over a mil, and the thing is is like sometimes I get a good following, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, the the whole like tried and true way though, to me like I agree there are. When I get a viral video and it it just blows up, there's a lot of people that will follow me just yeah. because mm -hmm. they saw it and they're really not interested in it but like maybe i did a, a hack and they were interested in that right well unfortunately if i'm not doing hack videos they're scrolling and yeah. so like that, mm. it gets that like one second view and they're gone so and that's the unfortunate thing is then it takes my analytics and goes yeah well you know 50 people watched it all the way through and liked it but then 50 other people only watched it for one second and scrolled off. Yeah. And it like oh, wow. screws up my engagement. But I will say anytime that I make a video and I can usually tell if the video is going to do well before I post it, I can just usually mm. tell like, okay, the, the time where the time is good. It's between 20 and 30 seconds. It's very engaging. I've watched it now three times in a row and I can't really point anything out. It flows really well. I, I can tell yeah. when I'm going to put it up, if it's going to do well, sometimes they surprise me. Yeah. Sometimes I post and I'm like, this is just gonna be a post and yeah. it just goes crazy stupid. Yeah. But um the if it's a good video, it's gonna do well regardless. Because as soon as it gets mm. enough engagement that it takes it to your to the for you page, yep. those are brand new people and they're they're going to give it a try if it's good. Sure. If it's good. You could be like other content creators who have done really great things in the past and now they're not doing so well and they lost their passion and they lost their creativity, but people are watching mm -hmm. them anyway yeah. just because of their false ideology of who they were in the past. Um, or you could be someone who's amazing like like Josh, who can Josh Wiseman? Post, Wiseman? Yeah. Who, yeah, who dude, I love post, it, man. Who could post fucking anything yeah. and he's going to get tons of viewership. Yeah, Josh is his YouTube channel has absolutely so his his YouTube channel has absolutely freaking dominated the Internet. It's crazy. It's I, rem yeah. I remember when he had like a, it was only three mil subs and now he's double that his eats. All of his videos are are mil plus. And I, I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you right now, the bag that he's getting off YouTube is probably juicy. Oh, it's <laughs> got to be insanity. It's got to be juicy. I mean, because he's hitting three different camera angles like it's a lot. And um yeah, that's crazy. But it's it's funny you say that. And, and I got to be honest, like, I don't know, man, like sometimes like TikTok, I've, I've had so many videos get flagged. I don't know if your videos get flagged, but like, ugh, it's ridiculous. I've had, I've had a couple taken down. Oh, I just recently had one taken down. It kind of like rubbed me the wrong way, even though it didn't it didn't yeah. take me that long to edit. But I was doing the Busta Breezy trend, the salt poppy trend. And um, yeah, it got taken down like within eight hours for uh, harassment and bullying. And I could probably see why it looks like I'm kind of making fun of the creator and I tagged him in the comments, but I, I'm not. We were cool, man. We're cool. Like it's his trend. I credit him, but I think maybe TikTok probably thought that it was bullying. So they just took it down. But it's like, mm. yeah. I try to tell people all the time, don't complain, don't cry. Guess what? It's not your app. You do not own that shit. Yeah. You don't own it. And, um, it gets frustrating sometimes, especially when you take, uh, when you take a lot of time to edit a video and put it up and, and it's doing good. Uh, you know, it just gets, uh, it's like, okay, whatever. Or it gets flagged because of the song, Ugh, man, there's so many. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, chef, Ch chef Cho deals with that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. All and day, every day. Gets, and, but all he's, day, every day. 
he's and I, and we're cool. Like I'm, I, I like him, man. He's he seems to be a good dude, but he he's got that whole like bust your balls attitude, which is mm-hmm. fine by me because I'm not I'm not sensitive to that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, but, but TikTok it people are people are and they take are. like yeah. listen. I see it all the time where like people will nitpick and like turn things around in comment sections all the time. And I'm like, this is oh, yeah. ridiculous. This is ridiculous. It's crazy. And I find that my videos that I do something remotely wrong, they do a hundred times better. Yeah. A hundred <laughs> times better. Well, then you need to, you need to start trolling people. That's what I do. Like I'll troll somebody like I'll, I'll straight up, I'll put something in a video that doesn't make sense or that will like, will get, will spark some engagement. But um, yeah, I totally get it, man. I, so it's the same thing. Like uh, Albert does the same thing where he'll like, he did that one video where he made something and then it like made him sad and then yeah. they put them fake tears in his eyes and it was going down. Yeah. Like that, that's, that just gets engagement. Dude. Yeah. That gets so much engagement because people are like, oh, don't cry. Yeah. Oh, don't cry. I and know, it's man. Like, he puts Albert- it in every fucking video now. I'm like, yeah. dude, good on and, him, man. And the blender screaming, the blender screaming when he screams. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's his, man. He, I, Everybody that does that now, like they need to give him credit, man. He was the first one to do that. But I thought that was really cool, man. You know, it's funny because to see Albert's progression, when we did our, uh, when we did our, um, our collab, he mm-hmm. only had 150, uh, he had like, before that, we, he had like 150,000 followers or something like that. But then he posted that beer video, the video video is what yeah. took he got 300 uh followers off of that video 300,000 and uh then after that he just stayed with the same like not talking just you yep. know the the loop and you know and I'm just so happy to see his progression cuz I think he really cuz he was what people don't realize is he posted 170 um okay got you he um he posted 170 videos before that Beria video yeah and so um Oh, so we got so we got uh we got about like ten more minutes, right? Ten more minutes, Casey. Mm. Okay, yeah. And so, okay, so so uh, I wanted to ask a, more, a couple more questions, though. Yeah. Man. What do you see? Where do you see yourself in five years? Well, definitely, definitely full time content creating. Yeah. Okay. Um, I foresee yeah. that happening within a year from now. I, I mean, I'm there right now. Yeah. I'm just barely there. And it's and it makes yeah. me scared to to make the jump because I'm not just supporting myself. You yes. know what I mean? Like I yeah, you're supporting, wife you're supporting a family, and I'm supporting my kid. And I'm like, if I make the jump and I have a couple bad months, that's not good. So I'm just I'm I'm, I'm staying where I am, saving money. And then as soon as I feel like I have something, I'm gonna be like, all right. Are you doing any um? Are you doing any brand deals or sponsorship posts? Yeah, I do. I do quite a lot. Yeah. And it, what sucks yeah, is like the, I was uh, doing a lot before. Yeah. And. <clears throat> I, I had a lot of time on my hands because I was working a job where I was working from home. Yeah, and we were not busy, so I was be, mm-hmm. I was able to spend a lot of time m- making videos. Mm-hmm. But now working nine to five, not at home. I'm yeah. working at a. I'm actually I don't even work nine to five. I work seven to four, but the okay. travel I don't get home till five. So it it takes all of my time that I don't have a lot of time to make videos every day. Yeah. And so yeah. the time that I have to make videos, it, it almost always goes to my sponsors because they're like, Hey, we got to have this video up by Friday and I yeah. have only time to make two videos. Well, they're going to be one of my two videos. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, yeah, I'm yeah, always yeah. afraid that my engagement's going to be bad because a lot of my videos during the week 
our our, our sponsored videos, but yeah. it is what it is, man. I mean, I got to do what I got to do yeah. until I can branch away from my full-time job. Yeah. And as soon as I can get away from my full-time job, then, then that opens me up. Then I have tons of time. I have nothing but time yeah. to make my content. And you know what, you know what uh, really helped me out? And I don't know if you, if you'd be up for this, but I do batch content. So I shoot for like four to six hours. I just shoot content. And then I also outsource my editing now before mm. I wasn't doing that. So I, I pretty much looked at my content creation as a whole and I was like, okay, where am I? Where do I suck? What am I getting? What do I need to do to improve? And you know what? The editing for me just bogged me down so much, bro. You know, well, how especially long? if you have a, a camera and you're setting that up. Yeah. Because then you have to edit off app. Yeah. And yeah. Like for me, I, I edit all one app. All of it. In TikTok? You edit in TikTok? Yeah, dude. That's so, so you could probably cut it. See, but I do, dude, I take it to the next level. I do color grading. I make, I you know, lighting. Oh, yeah. It's like a studio. But the reason why I'm doing that is because you get the bigger paycheck for sponsorship deals. But here's oh, the thing. Sure. Here's the thing. I hate doing sponsorship deals. You know what I'm saying? And I leave, <laughs> I leave so much money on the table, man. So much. Yeah. Because I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. You know what I'm saying? That's the yeah. problem. Like I listen, I had this I had this great sponsorship deal with the salmon company. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, you know, I charge a lot because I use a, you know, 4K. I shoot in 4K. I professionally edit. You know, I can put your label, I can do this, I can do that. I have a great package. But the thing is, is I just don't want to be told how to shoot the video. I don't want to be told what to do. And I'm yeah. like, and it's not my main source of income. So like for yeah. me, dude, I leave the money on the table. Here's a good example. The Granda, uh, I that was not an ad. That, that was not an ad. That was a testimonial because I already have the app. The, one of the app creators or the CEO, or whoever he is, reached out to me and was like, Hey, we really love your, we really love your content. We would love you to be a part of this app. And, um, we started talking about it and I was like, listen, how about I shoot a video? Right. And then if you like it, we can work together, but, um, it will just be a testimonial. I don't want any, I don't want any money. I don't want any money. I don't want a nickel and dime about, you know, uh, you know, 30, you know, I don't, nah, let me shoot a video. If you like it, you like it. If not, great. I already use the app and I think it's great for younger chefs. And I'm like, so I would mm -hmm. love, I would love to support this product just out of the goodness of my heart. Yeah. Dude, I shot this video, man. And it is crispy, right? Crispy. And it's funny because now they, now that set me up to do, to shoot two more videos with them, you know, and, and I am, I am driving the bus now. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, so, so like my next couple videos are going to be sponsored. And, um, but I think that's important to take in consideration because like, you know, the thing is, is I think a lot of micro creators and creators in general are getting taken advantage of, um, as far as product, like, oh, we'll send you the free product. You'll get $50 with the free product, man. Stop doing that. Dude. Yeah. Eh, I eh, turn those down immediately. Eh, I go, well, it's cool, but this is, this, I do, I do charge and this yeah. is my price. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm transparent about my rate too. And I know a lot of people make more money than me, but I think it's important that, um, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, all content creators are different and what I want to do. And sorry, this, so this is what I was getting at where I want to get my money is I want to have full control over whether it's a subscription or I'm selling workshops or I'm selling merch or I'm selling, um, you know, things that I have control over. And I want to save myself for doing the big sponsorship posts like William Sonoma, Sir Tab, uh, you know, things like that. Dog, I'm so sick of people sending me dumb shit. Like, I literally can't take it anymore. You know what I mean? Like, no, I don't want to sell your air filter, bro. Like, it's crazy. Oh, my gosh. I get a lot of, like, toys and stuff. I'm yeah. like, dude, I don't even make content like this. Yeah. But for me, like, a lot of times, a brand 
for me, like this is how it works. So if a brand reach out to me <clears throat> and they're like, you know, we want you to make a video with this product, I'm trying to be <laughs> trying to be less less specific. Um, but they're and then they're like, cool, and I, I'll be like, cool, okay. You know, they'll be like, well, what's your rate? I'll say, well, this is my rate, but if I have creative freedom, it's this rate. And it'll be like oh. substantially less less money yeah. for for them. Yeah. And then that way I can I can actually make the video how I want. Exactly. And I'm like, but if you need me to pitch it, if you need me to put the product in the beginning of the video at a certain angle, if you need me to say uh -huh. certain things, and you can tell which one of my videos are like that because they're it's like I'm on an infomercial, like, hey, but yeah. when yeah. this product yeah. and if when <laughs> I have feet when I and it's so funny, I charge more for those because they're they're like true sales and i hate yeah. it yeah um and then i charge less for the other ones well the other ones do better because my audience i know how to pitch my own content to my yeah. audience yeah I agree so with when that, man. i'm not super salesy and i'm not following a script the video performs way way better yeah. and they have a much better chance of going viral and actually getting their product out there yeah unless they're going to use my video on their own platform and go run sponsors on it and go run ads on it. That's different Then you, I'll, you know, make the video however you want me to make it. Yeah. Yeah. But at some point it doesn't pay off for these companies to not give me the, the, the creative freedom when I know how to pitch it to the audience. That's, that's what I do. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great point, man. Well, listen, what I it was do. amazing talking to you stove. I'm telling you, I'm so glad we got to meet in person on the podcast. Yeah, man. Mm. This is so awesome. We love doing this, man. We love shooting the shit and like, just, you know, not having a script, just, just going for it. And I'm so glad to meet you, man. I loved your, I love your process. I love your, your videos. Uh, Thanks, I've been bro. a big, I've been a big fan since day one. You know, obviously I've, you know, you see me up in the comment sections, you know? So, yeah, uh, for sure. yeah. So yeah. it's really nice to meet you, man. I'm glad you came on. This was awesome. Yeah. You too, guys. Casey, yeah, man. Well, let's, uh, Sorry for coming in late on it, but I'm glad I could make it happen. Oh, oh it's no, all good, man. man. There was, no, no, dude, there was no, there where I was like, we're lax over here. And I was like, I'm going to yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. total shit because oh, this nah, is really important nah, to me. Nah. I love these dudes. Yeah, but it's yeah, okay. No, I'm glad. <laughs> we're, total, we're totally relaxed over here, man. It's we all got, good. This is just well, our- since you yeah. are, um, so I was just going to say, since you're on the East Coast, if you do head your way down to Jersey, I would love to have you at the restaurant, have some feels on there. Well, me, that would be that would actually be awesome, man. Because I'm Bro, not far I, from Jersey. I'm literally like inviting everybody. Like, I Dude, don't care. I, I, I totally, I totally forgot to tell you, man. I, so I grew Gosh. up in Northern Virginia, Nova, okay, Sterling, West Springfield, and my grandparents lived in Maryland, and my grand other grandparents lived in Baltimore. So nice, yeah, nice. Deep go. Creek Lake, Maryland. That's way. Dude, that my parents live in Deep Creek right now. I'm oh, down really? there like once a month. Oh yeah. damn! Okay, that's cool. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. There we go. All right. Well, like I said, um. I'll make sure that all Mike's contacts are down below so you guys can check out all of his stuff on TikTok. Uh, you also have a YouTube, right, Stove? Uh, I do have a YouTube, so but I'm not I'll posting to that everything really until I go full-time. When I go full-time, I'll have time for it. You, and should then I can dedicate to you should definitely post your shorts on there, though. Post your short videos. Yeah, I need to, I need to get back to doing that. I was yeah. doing it for a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. you can okay. post uh, max right, 10 right, a day. If anything, so. I'll just put the, the beacons link that you have on yes, the description. That, that, that way that's they can great. Find you. Got you. All right. Nothing too crazy. Um, like I said, uh, Christmas is upon us, so don't go too nuts. Uh, the holidays, however you spend it, just be safe. Uh, be with your family. But everything else, have a good one. Thank you, guys. And uh, chat later. Peace.